This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing the toll-free number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. That number is 1-800-259-9231. Again, 800-259-9231. We call the show Free Talk Live because you can dial in and take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever it is that's interesting to you. Tonight, joining you, it's Ian here. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features all free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Uh, let's start things out by talking about Grandma and the SWAT team. Mark, what happened? <laughs> You're never going to... I mean, I, I, I don't believe it. Um, really? Something yeah. something unbelievable that, and, and awful that the police have done that could possibly top some of the other unbelievable, awful things they've done? You really? That... Shocked at this? From the WashingtonTimes.com, Brian W. Walsh. You don't need to know. You can't know. That's what Kathy Norris, a 60-year-old grandmother of eight, was told when she tried to ask the court officials why, the day before, federal agents had subjected her home to a furious search. 68 years old. 60 years old. 60. Yeah. Okay. Uh, grandmother of eight. You don't need to know. You can't know. National security man. Look at the terrorists. Who spent a half of a day ransacking ah. Ms. Norris's longtime home in Spring, Texas. Did they play some wee bowling while they were at it? Uh, but, did probably you not story? in front of her. Did, did you hear that story? Just as an aside, the police that were doing a, a raid on a, a so called drug criminal's house, a drug dealer, they uh, took, took some time out from their raiding activities to actually pause and play his Wii, his Nintendo Wii. And, For a couple uh, of hours, frames. if I remember right. Yeah, just different uh, bureaucrats over time just playing the game yeah. all day long. Just having fun. Anyway, go, go ahead. Um, the agent spent ha- half a day ransacking Ms. Norris's home in Spring, Texas, answered no questions while they emptied, filing cabinets, pulled books off the shelves, rifled through drawers and closets, and threw the contents on the floor. You know they Roughly. didn't clean up by themselves uh, after themselves. You know that, right? No, they never do. No, they, they're not under any obligation to do that. The six agents, wearing SWAT gear, carrying weapons, were with get this the U.S. Fish and uh, Wildlife Service. Really, that's the part that I find the most interesting on this. Federal agents ransacking an old lady's home. I guess I'm sixties, not that old these days, but an a uh, older lady's home, I suppose. Yeah. And they're from the game service? Wildlife Fish and Wildlife and, Service. Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. So were they looking for little birds or something like that? We still don't know, right? Sort of. Kathy and Norris lived under the specter of a covert government operate, um, investigation for almost six months before the government unsealed a secret indictment and revealed why the Fish and Wildlife Service had treated their family home as if it were a training base for suspected terrorists. The answer is orchids. What? Orchids. By uh, March 2004, federal prosecutors were well on their way to turning 66-year-old retiree George Norris into an inmate at a federal federal penitentiary based on husband. Yes, on his home-based business of cultivating, importing, and selling orchids. Ms. Norris testified before the House Judiciary Committee on Crime this summer. The hearing's topic: the rapid and dangerous expansion of federal criminal law and the expansion that is often unprincipled and highly partisan. Chairman Robert C. Scott, Virginia Democrat, ranking member Louis Gomet, uh, Texas Republican, conducted a truly bipartisan hearing um, on this. And these two leaders have begun giving voice to the increased number of experts who worry about overcriminalization. 
Oh, okay, so these are bureaucrats who are concerned about the 60-year-old lady and her 66-year-old husband who have been harassed, and, and they're trying to turn him into a prisoner, you said, this guy, or is he already in prison? I, I don't think this guy went to prison. Okay. Astronomical numbers of federal criminal laws lack specifics, can apply to almost anyone, and fail to protect innocence by requiring substantial proof that an accused person acted with actual criminal intent. Hmm. She I haven't we haven't been saying that for years. Right, so they can just basically say, we heard you were dealing in orchids and mm-hmm. make your life hell. Mr. Norris ended up spending almost two years in prison because he didn't have the proper paperwork for some of the many orchids he imported. The the, fo- the, you need paperwork for flowers. The orchids were were all legal, but Mr. Norris and his overseas shippers who had packaged the flowers had failed to properly navigate the many, often irrational, paperwork requirements the U.S. imposed when it implemented an arcane um, international treaties, new restriction on trade in flowers and other flora. The judge who sentenced Mr. Norris had some advice for him and his wife. Sentenced? Okay. So he sentenced to something outside of jail? Yeah. Got it. Uh, The judge's advice was, life sometimes presents us with lemons. He said that it was their job to turn the lemons into lemonade. Was he suggesting there that the government is giving them lemons and that they could somehow spin that into something good? Well, I think it's better than to tell them to go F themselves. I see. You know? Here's your lemons. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine a judge saying this. Wow. Well, the judge probably did not, wasn't really too thrilled about having to sentence them to anything. He doesn't have to. What do you mean he doesn't have he to? He could deviate above he if could. he felt like, but he didn't He could deviate like above what? He could say, I'm not going to do this. I'm the judge here. I refuse. Do judges have that discretion? Yes, they do. Because I know police have discretion. I didn't know that judges Judges do. have the discretion if they choose to use it. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but we uh, somebody posted over at the Free Keen Forum about the rules here in New Hampshire for, and there are probably similar rules elsewhere in the country because they're all very, very just kind of similarly structured. But the rules apparently say that a judge can waive his rules at any time as long as he has a good reason for doing so. <laughs> and, and as long as it's not prohibited elsewhere in the law for him to uh, waive those rules. It's okay for you to do whatever you want. Right, so it's written there. As long as you think there's a good reason. Right, so it's actually there. I mean, we, we always talk about how arbitrary the system is. The system itself actually admits that it's arbitrary. It actually says, well, we'll just let you do whatever you want. Just go ahead and have a good reason for it. And, of course, who's going to decide whether he had a good reason? Yeah. Well, his buddies on the Judicial uh, Appreciation Committee or whoever they are, the Judicial Watch Committee that doesn't do a damn thing to enforce anything. So, I mean, even if he does decide to waive the rules, even if it's prohibited in their rules for him to waive the rules in that one particular case, who will be the arbiter of whether or not he broke that rule? Nobody who can be held accountable, I can tell you that. Nor is the judge. And the right. judge in this case apparently failed to appreciate how difficult it is to turn a successful lemonade stand, um, to, to run a rest, successful lemonade stand when you're an elderly diabetic with coronary complications, arthritis, and Parkinson's disease serving time in a federal pen- penitentiary. Or when the, the, the police department or the feds in this case come in and decide to upset your lemonade stand every day you try to operate it. I mean, they came in and they tore this woman's house up. And that was after he'd been sentenced? So they're still going after them? Is that what I'm understanding here? I... You know, the, the, this, the, the, the way the story is set up, the timeline is really a difficult. difficult for me to figure out. Um, that's what I thought I heard, Nick. Did you? Yeah, that's what that? it seemed like to me. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. It, does it really matter when they threw, no, threw her curious. house? I mean, just you know curious. they didn't. Uh, you know they threw her house. You know I they assume did they, they threw they the house when they had a warrant based on the investigation. So I imagine they would have done that 
at the same time they arrested her husband, though. Maybe. To me, that makes sense. Either way, she didn't get any explanation. And she got to pick it all up herself. Yep. Christer Evertson, another... So that was great for her back. Another victim of overcriminalization told Congress, What I have experienced in these past... The three in these past years is something that I that should scare you and all Americans. He's right. Evertson, a small-time entrepreneur and inventor, faced two separate federal prosecutions stemming from his work to develop clean energy fuel cells. The feds prosecuted uh, Mr. Evertson the first time for failing to put a federally mandated sticker on an otherwise <laughs> lawful UPS package in which he shipped some of his supplies. A jury, wow. a jury acquitted him. So the feds brought up new charges. Oh. This right. See, double jeopardy only applies on the same charge. Double jeopardy, if I'm not mistaken, is the rule that basically says, well, once you've been tried once for something and it's been thrown out, they can't charge you with that again. That's correct. So that way they're just coming up with new charges. So well, that's okay. if you've been duly acquitted, I I believe, and Mark he was might acquitted by a jury. Right. In that case, he was. But if they simply, if it's a mistrial, I don't believe it right, counts. Jury it actually count. has to be a verdict of not guilty. Correct. Correct. So the uh, but that's okay. We'll just find another charge and hit you with that. Yeah, it, make it, your it, life just hell. Just keep on, just keep on going after him. You might as well. Right, they have an unlimited budget. The federal government has, they they can just keep spending. They'll print up what they need. At least with the state government, those guys have a finite budget. They can't really print their own money at this point, so they have to be a little more cautious about how they go about these things. But the feds, they don't care. They'll just keep going and going and going until you're ruined. There more to the story here? Oh, yeah. 800-259-9231. What, what is the term they're using for the uh, overreaching? Overcriminalization. Overcriminalization. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. Coming up, the latest on the marijuana situation in Massachusetts. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website. We give you all the features there, free, including live streams. We've got a webcam. There's also a broadband audio version and a dial-up audio version of the show. You can go and enjoy all of that for free, of course, at Listen dot freetalklive.com that's listen dot freetalklive.com and for more great listening head over to audiblepodcast.com slash ftl audible is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment you can listen whenever and wherever you want just like a podcast they have over 60,000 titles from which to choose at audiblepodcast.com slash ftl now you add the slash ftl to get yourself a free audiobook in every genre audible has it covered so get your free audiobook download when you sign up today by going to audiblepodcast com slash FTL as we continue here. Mark, you're telling us a story from the federal level about some... It started out being about a couple of uh, people in their 60s, septuagenarians, I believe. Um, Se- no, septuagen- sept- seven. septuagenarian would be a 70-year-old. So. Sext- shoot. I looked this one up before, and I don't remember what it is. Yeah. 
Okay, well, anyway. No one uses it, I can tell you that. Right. People yeah. in their... People... I'm just trying to be a sesquivedalian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sound like a moron. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, a couple of folks in their 60s were uh, targeted by the federal government because they were dealing in orchids. That's right. Flowers. Apparently, they didn't cross the right T's or dot the right I's. I imagine it's the importing is what sounds like right. it was a problem here. Right. So, uh, so that so that something came over an imaginary line in the sand or in the water, and uh, the federal government decided to target them, raid their home, turn it upside down, inside out, empty out all the drawers, just destroy everything they possibly could uh, as far as the order of the home in an entire half day's time. And then, of course, they leave it like that because that's just the way they do things. So, but that's not the only uh, story. This particular. I guess what you're telling us it has in it, right, Mark? Well, it, it's, it's, tell it's, us about someone the story is really about a, a Senate hearing that's going on to find out whether or not the federal government has made too many laws, hmm. which is just hilarious. Right, to they me. need a hearing for that apparently to ascertain. <laughs> they need that. to get the lawmakers there in order to decide whether or not they're making too many laws. But right. going on, this is talking about a different gentleman, and um, I'm going to you know, backtrack just a little bit. The feds prosecuted Mr. Evertson the first time for failing to put a federally mandated sticker on an otherwise lawful UPS package in which he shipped some of his supplies to uh, create clean energy fuel cells. A jury acquitted him, so the feds brought new charges. Hmm. This time they claimed that he had technically had abandoned his fuel cell materials, something he had no intention of doing, while defending himself against the first charges. So they took the stuff in evidence, and then he abandoned it. And then they charged him for that. So because they had it, they called that abandoned? Because that he wasn't trying to, be to get the it situation. back. It was it because he wasn't trying to get them back actively or something? I don't. I, I you know I, I don't have the specifics here on this, but I can tell you that. Uh, so these are chemicals. He spent two years in federal prison for it. Wow. Amazing. George Washington uh, University law professor Stephen. Aren't you glad you pay taxes? It's got to be kind of tough. Stephen Salzberg testified at the uh, House hearing. Cases like these. Illustrate about as well as you can illustrate the overreach of federal criminal law. The Cato Institute's Timothy Lynch, an expert in overcriminalization, called for a clean line between lawful conduct and unlawful conduct. That would sure be nice. A person should not be deemed a criminal unless that person crossed over that line knowing that he or she was doing. Seems like common sense, but apparently it isn't. And some, um, and um, it isn't to some federal officials. Former U.S. Attorney. General Richard Thornburg's testimony, also known as Dick, <laughs> captured the essence of the problems that worry so many criminal experts. Those of us concerned about this subject, he testifies, share a common goal to have criminal statutes that punish actual criminal acts and that do not seek to criminalize conduct that is better dealt with by seeking of regulatory or civil remedies. Only when the conduct is sufficiently wrongful and severe, Mr. Thornburg um, said, does it warrant the stigma, public condemnation, and potential deprivation of liberty that go along with the criminal sanction? I have an idea as to where the line should be. I mean, they're talking about drawing a line yes. and making sure that you know they, they're absolutely certain it's been crossed. How about the line is when there's a victim? We're all victims. What do you mean by that? Well, these people getting in their orchids and their fuel cell materials, they endangered us all. Victimizing the nation? Yes. I see. The Norris's nightmare. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. The Norris's nightmare began with the search in October 2003. It didn't end until Mr. Norris was released from federal supervision in December 2008. So Norris did go five years. So he wait, supervision is that the same as being in a federal prison? 
it, his his um it was the supervision probably wasn't the same as the the prison time. He probably got some of both. His wife t- testified, however, that even after he came home, the man she had married was still gone. Aww. He was by then 71 years old, unsurprisingly having to serve two years as a federal convict, so in addition in to prison. the years it took to uh, defend unsuccessfully against the charges, had taken a severe Aww. toll on him mentally, emotionally, and physically. These repressive consequences for an er- elderly man who made mistakes in a small business, they, they call these mistakes. mistakes. I don't even call them that. The feds should be ashamed, and Mr. Everson is right that everyone else should be scared. Damn right, exactly right. Far too many federal laws are far too broad. You know, there is this big conversation that's going on right now on uh, Freekeen.com, and there's an article about these folks that were protesting the cannabis celebrations going on here in Keene on a daily basis. Some protesters came down to protest against the cannabis celebrations, Mm -hmm. and there's this lengthy conversation in there about, you know, the usual cliches of, well, the law is the law. It's illegal. And, of course, people are asking questions about, well, what about Rosa Parks? Should she just have sat in the back of the bus? Uh, What about, you know, the, the... underground railroad should they have not have been uh, been doing that because the law is the law shouldn't they have been working through the system and it's just it's just stunning uh what is going on out there these people believe these people that are claiming things like well it's the law you should obey the law until you can change it these people really believe that they're immune they believe they are law-abiding people and that the law is never going to criminalize something they're doing they they're so confident that what they do on a day-to-day basis doesn't violate any sort of federal, state, or local laws. They really they, and truly believe I'm that. I'm sure these Norris, the, the Norrises here believed that, too. Absolutely. And this is the thing is there are there's stories like this over and over again. And the part that they don't mention in this, when the SWAT team was in there in Ms. Norris's house ransacking her place and throwing her all of her papers on the floor in full SWAT gear with full SWAT weaponry. Mm-hmm. They over don't, orchids. They don't, yeah, over orchids. They don't remind you of the story of out of virginia where the optometrist was running a football pool in his office that's illegal gambling and the swat team came in and when they had him on the ground handcuffed on his hands on his knees i Mm -hmm. should say handcuffed with his hands behind his back because that's how a gambling organizer should be treated one of these sick psychopaths shot him in the back of the head by accident oopsie now i don't know I, i don't know what he was doing i don't know if he meant to do it i don't know but i can tell you that guy didn't go to prison for it. Maybe he, he didn't just go his... to prison because he had a man on his knees and shot him in the back of the head. A doctor who went to school for years and He's years criminal, and was Mark. providing an actual service criminal. to the community. This slug Violent. shot him in the back of the head. He's a dangerous criminal and he deserved it. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I, People I, that break the law deserve to be shot in the head. Apparently they do. Well, isn't that really what the issue is? I mean, when it, when it comes down to it. Anything that's illegal, eventually you are saying, if you want something criminalized, you're saying you think people should be killed over this. Because if they don't go along with the jail sentence, and if they don't go along with cooperating, then the, the guns are going to come out. And if they still don't go along with it and they continue to resist the, uh, the state when they're trying to put them in a prison cell for selling orchids, then they will be shot. Should people be killed over importing orchids? Gun day, gun day, gun day. Three days to exercise your Second Amendment rights for only $10 per person. October 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. The world's largest machine gun shooting military gun show is fun for the whole family. With machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and over 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m. Call 502-922-4457 or visit KnobCreekRange.com. That's KNOV CreekRange.com. 
Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here. And Nick. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there. Updates, Shrine of Female listeners, all uh, completely free for you. So enjoy it at freetalklive.com. Do you have someone in your life who's crazy about the Twilight series of books? Or a teenager who still laments that Harry Potter's over? Buy them a copy of The Demon Queen Locksmith. It's a new novel by Spencer Baum. It has... All the adventure and teen angst of those books, and it's written from a libertarian perspective. Find out more and read the first six chapters free at demonqueen.com. That's, oh, excuse me, it's thedemonqueen.com. Very important. That does, very important. Thedemonqueen.com. And, you know, I read a little bit of this, too. I haven't finished it or anything like that, but it it is turning out to be a pretty well-written book. Thedemonqueen.com. Okay, 800-259-9231. So let's, let's continue here talking about just an, an insanity, uh, these laws that are just being enforced on peaceful people, people who did not have the intent to harm People who did not have the intent uh, to defraud. Just people trying to go about their business. And there are so many of them, as you were pointing out earlier, Mark, it's, it's an uncountable situation. There'd be, yeah, even if they started trying to roll them back at the federal level, how would they be able to do it? I mean, there are so many laws. How would they have the time to read the various different laws and ascertain? I guess they've got enough bureaucrats, they might be able to assign some of them to it. But it would seem to be a monumental task to try to actually pour over the uh, just the tomes and tomes of federal legislation. And we're just talking about the federal government here. There's all kinds of asinine, nonsensical, uh, victimless crime laws that are at the, the, you know, the state and the local level as well. But just pouring over the federal government's laws would be a monumental task to try to figure out what was appropriate to have and what wasn't. And they're, they're talking about in the story you were reading uh, about how, well, they need to ascertain, uh, they need to figure out a line that they can draw that uh, they'll be able to know whether people have crossed it or not. You mean that wasn't figured out before? There are very specific things that have been criminalized, but I guess what they're saying is that they're admitting now that the federal government is, well, I guess a little loose with their interpretation of their own laws. And remember, it is their interpretation that matters, not yours. So even if you've read their laws, and even if you think you understand what their laws say, you don't. Because it's the men and the women in the robes in the Supreme Court. It's their interpretation that will decide whether or not you get to be put in a jail cell for, in this uh, old man's case, several years or a couple of years. A couple of years. So it's, it's their decision, not yours. So what I'm trying to tell you is you can think you know what the law is, but you don't. Right. The, and essentially, the, the clock is ticking on every one of us. You there are so many laws, you couldn't read all the laws for one geographic area in which you stand in three lifetimes. Three lifetimes. Yeah. How, how is anybody supposed to follow the law? You can't. These people got picked up for orchids and trying to build a better fuel cell right, so that we could put, all have alternative energy. No, it was a label. He didn't put a label well, on was, a package. Right. But that's the, the reason the they came crime. after him. Right. They came, <laughs> they came after him about, about the fuel cell, and then they, the best they could do was the label. 
The story, uh, here's another one for you. Brad Taylor over at Free Agents, FR33Agents.com. The United States' descent into a police state seems to be gathering pace. Beating and arresting peaceful protesters was bad enough, and he links over to uh, the G20 stuff, which, by the way, we didn't mention. I mean, we did talk uh, briefly about the protesting and how they were just being, again, as usual, assaulted and harmed by the police, and many peaceful people were. But we didn't point out that they apparently attacked an entire college dorm full of kids, young people. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. I, I don't recall all of the details, but I guess what, what, what I understand from hearing the story is that there were some college kids that were in a dorm and the police ordered the dorm evacuated for some reason. And they ordered it from like a helicopter above the dorm and most of the kids were inside the dorm. So nobody they didn't really heard. Hear it. Right. So they could have had their little earplugs in on their listening sure. to their iPod Nanos or whatever it is. Absolutely, they're doing. could have had their music cranked up. Whatever. They're college kids. What do they do when they don't? They're not in class. So they're in their dorm. They not, didn't hear it. Not clean. I can tell you that. And the cops came in and and just raised hell. The cops came in and raided this uh, this location. And folks were hurt and arrested and, and all of that. The whole the usual deal with that you hear about and you see when the, the police I, I saw some of the footage from it. It was very terrifying for these young people. I mean they've been they've been trained to some extent as to getting used to having the police raiding them. And there's there's kind of a, a long process that goes on that starts apparently in elementary school these days where the police will shake people down and they'll you know, they'll bring in the dogs and sniff out the, the lockers and that there's that kind of uh you know it's just not like, like it was when I was in school. When I no. was in school the cops came with a little doll that they called Officer Ollie and um they <laughs> you know they, they did the marionette thing and, and, and you know by and large it was entertainment. Uh, you know the the cops were a resource for us. I was, as a child, never scared of the police. And right. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to propose to know what it's like for every child out there. I'm sure that there were kids who were from, you know, different socioeconomic groups or something like that, that, um, you know, that, that were scared of the police when I was growing up. But it wasn't that way for, for me. And I heard while I was at Walmart, and I'm not saying that this is the best place to hear, um, to, 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 to not hear this, but I heard, you know, some parent correcting their child by saying that the police are going to get you. I mean, that's that's what they were saying. And it's just so the police wow. are a... a uh, scary gang. Yep, yeah, they are. They really are a scary gang. I know some of them don't want it to be that way. I know some of them tried I, to get in to, to do the right thing. Why would they want that? And f- generally when the cops, at this point... Still, cops don't abuse kids. They'll shoot your dog. They'll uh, throw you in jail for orchids or, um, you know, the possession of, uh, you know, some plant material or whatever it is. They'll, um, if you don't pull over, they'll kick your, you know, scream and bash your car window in, taser you, do whatever. But when it comes to kids, they won't do it to kids. So at uh, the cops still have this thing around children, which is great. I'm glad they do. And they don't want to be considered the bad guy to the kids, but that's where it's going. And one has to ask, why? Well, I had a conversation with somebody recently. We've got these CDs that Dennis Goddard put together. He's one of the uh, very busy activists with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. He put together some CDs that are targeted toward high schoolers, and they have Free Talk Live audio on them. You familiar with, with these? Uh, yes, I've seen them. Okay. And I actually hadn't listened to them yet. 
I provided him with the audio he was looking for, but I, I hadn't uh, – I think I did that. I, I helped him. I cut some of the audio for him. But anyway, uh, he took some show segments, and he created two CDs, one of them with kind of a conservative theme, one of them with a liberal theme. So basically the idea is to, to ascertain which disc would be best for the student and then give them that and have them listen. And so I gave uh, them to some of the folks at the cannabis celebrations because most of, many of them are in high school, very young folks there. And one of them came back and told me that she – and she was a free stater, actually. She, she came back later after listening to it and told me she liked it. And she, she had never really realized when she was in school that what they were do, about what they were doing to her. What they were doing on a regular basis was shaking people down, pulling them out of class, you know, bringing the dogs around. The whole, the whole deal that apparently is so common these days that she just thought really nothing of that. She was so used to it, so acclimated to that kind of behavior from the police. She said she, even though she's a free stater, she's still you know, relatively young. When she listened to the CD with us addressing that issue of the police raiding a school or something like that, it was mm-hmm. one of those stories that we were doing. When she listened to that, she hadn't really realized up until the point at which she heard that show segment that what was happening when she was in school was wrong. That what those police were doing was absolutely getting young people used to being treated like this. She didn't even. She hadn't even made that connection yet. You know, I I would have never, ever in my wildest dreams imagined a cop coming through my school. Um, you know, when, once I got to public school and then they had the uh, the school resource officer, I suppose that I would have uh, that you know one of the bad kids might have had their locker shaken down or something like that. That might have been the most of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they ran a dog through there for all I know. I have no idea. But they wouldn't have come out and done it right out in the open. I'm 38 years old, and now they they you know it, it's they 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 have the cops there as a show of force against our children. What was going on during the uh, during the demonstrations recently? Uh, very different demonstrations. They're starting to the demonstrators are starting to organize online with the help of tools like Twitter and other communications tools. And apparently, the police don't like this very much. They raided somebody because he posted something to Twitter. We'll tell you about it coming up. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. If you start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Republicmagazine.tv. Are you missing out on the real news? Get informed and stay informed with Republic Magazine. Get your free digital copy now or order a print subscription. Republicmagazine.tv. It's republicmagazine.tv, um, and, uh, you know, you if you go over there, you can take a look at uh, Free Talk Live's uh, quarter-page ad on the inside front cover of the newest issue, republicmagazine.tv. All right, so we're going to continue here, and I'm going to tell you briefly about the story of a man who was raided 16 hours, in fact, is how long that raid lasted. 
rated over a Twitter post or so, or two or three. I'm not sure how many posts he made, but essentially he was posting information to Twitter. We'll tell you about it here. The story from the New York Times. On Thursday, FBI agents descended on a house in Jackson Heights, Queens, and spent 16 hours searching it. The most likely reason for the raid? A man who lived there had helped coordinate communications among protesters at the Group of 20 summit in Pittsburgh. So he wasn't even in Pittsburgh, he was in Queens. The man, Elliot Madison, aged 41, a social worker who's described himself as an anarchist. That's a little strange, isn't it? Most social, do most social workers actually work for the government or are there non-governmental social worker I'm sure there are out somewhere there. out there. I, mean, I suppose the people that, uh, the, the ACORN group that uh, you know just got caught recently would be, would be called uh, social workers. I see. Well, anyway, he'd been arrested in Pittsburgh on September 24th and charged with hindering, apprehension, or prosecution, criminal use of a community... Excuse me. Criminal use of a communication facility and possession of instruments of crime. So there's three charges there. Hindering, apprehension, or prosecution. Criminal use of a communication facility, his computer, mm-hmm. and possession of instruments of crime. All for instruments of crime to the Internet. The Pennsylvania State Police said he was found in a hotel room with computers and police scanners while using the social networking site Twitter to spread information about police movements. He's denied wrongdoing. <laughs> I would agree. American protesters first made wide use of widespread use of mass text messages in New York during the 2004 Republican National Convention when hundreds of people used a system called TextMob to share information. Messages sent as events unfolded allowed demonstrators and others to react quickly to word of arrests, mo- police mobilizations, and roving rallies. Here in New Hampshire, just as an aside... If you've listened before, you know this, but if you're brand new, you don't. Uh, there's the Porcupine 411 service. It's a brilliant little system that uh, was put up by one of the free staters that has moved here. We'll tell you more about the Free State Project in a little bit. But basically, it allows people to subscribe to an email list and then call a phone number when something's happening worth talking about. They call a phone number. They leave. And sometimes not. They leave their information, and it's distributed to the uh, over 300 people that are currently signed up to receive these messages. So, for instance, one of the ways that this is utilized, besides, for instance, some people get pulled over and they'll record the scene with their cell phone, and that's a very useful tool. Uh, for, so it's a useful purpose for this. But another thing is people will, will frequently call in uh, speed, speed traps and yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. So is that now a criminal act? Because if it's, if it's criminal sure. to report where the police are during the G20 protests, and it's so criminal that they're actually getting the federal government involved uh, in this – if it's if it's a criminal act to do that, when it's a protest, well, wouldn't it always be a criminal act? If it's a criminal act to re- re- repeat where the police see, are. I, I can't see why not. It sounds right. like it's a criminal act to me. So I also put a, uh, a scanner feed on here in Keene, New Hampshire. I spent you know $450 and bought a very nice scanner because you have to have a, a digital kind of very spiffy scanner in order to receive the uh, the digital transmissions that are encoded in uh, APCO 25 format by Motorola so I had to spend a fair amount of money I put that together we put it online it's streaming 24/7 at radio.freekeen.com the police scanner here in Keene that gives away their locations because the police officers key up and give their locations is that also now a crime is it a crime to listen to a police scanner well, I suppose if they want to get rid of you, they can always change their channel, right? Well, we can always change our channel, too. We can we can follow them where, wherever they go, basically. Because, you know, the, the tech geeks out there will always figure out a way to decode all the police always. signals. 
So uh, back to the story here, though. Message uh, Messages sent as the events unfolded allowed demonstrators to react quickly to what was going on with the police. Mass texting has since become a valued tool amongst protesters, particularly at large-scale demonstrations, because, you know, communicating's useful. And police and government officials appear to be increasingly aware of such methods of communication. For instance, in 2008, the New York City Law Department issued a subpoena seeking information from the graduate student who created the code for text mob. So the website that people were using, they went after the guy who created the website. Even though he necessarily did not, uh, didn't necessarily create the website for certain purposes, since it's being used for specific purposes that they don't like, they decided to go after him. Might as well scare the crap, crap out of him, you know. That's, that's, that's what they figure. He may be uh, one of the first charged criminally while sending information electronically. This is the, uh, the guy that we were originally talking about uh, that was arrested in his hotel room. A criminal complaint in Pennsylvania accuses him of, quote, directing others, specifically protesters of the G20 summit, in order to avoid apprehension after a lawful order to disperse. According to his lawyer, he and a friend were part of a communications network among people protesting the G20. There's absolutely nothing he's done that should subject him to any criminal liability. But that didn't prevent them from arresting him. I mean, the lawyer's opinion may be correct, and maybe down the line, after well, it's been to court, they'll figure that out. It sounds, I mean, I think the government, this, the prosecution in this case probably realizes that they have a very tentative case, but they're trying to establish a test case so that in the future they can say, right. yes. This is illegal. All they have to lose at this point, I mean, if they don't charge people, then they're never going to make this into a, an enforceable offense. So, so they have nothing to lose. They have really. nothing to lose. They're not going to lose any money. Search warrant authorized agents, uh, the FBI, and officers looking for violations of federal rioting laws to seize computers and phones, black masks and clothes, and financial records and address books. Among the items seized, according to a list prepared by the agents, were electronic equipment, newspapers, books, and gas masks. The item also included what was the items rather also included what was described as a picture of Lenin. Since the raid, you know this guy's politics, I may not necessarily agree with. No, but I think I, that, I'm just I'm saying an anarchist that right, uh, has, has a picture of Lenin. Lenin yeah. Right. Very very confused, obviously. But he wasn't doing anything that should be illegal. Giving information on the locations of the police should not be a criminal act. But in a police state, you damn well better believe it will be criminalized. And there's all kinds of evidence to say that this is absolutely a police state. Now, since the raid, no other charges have been filed against Mr. Madison, except the three that we originally told you about. Uh, they argued in federal court that the warrant was vague and overly broad. The judge ordered the authorities to stop examining the seized materials until October 16th, pending further orders. The reason for the Jackson Heights raid wouldn't be clear until an affidavit used to secure the search warrant was unsealed. Blah, 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 blah. So there are many such events during the days of the summit. Demonstrators marched through town on the opening day of the gathering, at times breaking windows and fleeing, and on both nights, this is one of the reasons why I just, the term anarchist, I think, is just completely ruined, because of people that behave in that manner. I have to agree. Uh, and and, and, and well, again, I, these are the people not, that own the term anarchist. Yes. They well, own it. Well, and they're not, I don't know that they're necessarily what I would call an anarchist. But they well, would many, call themselves may, it. Well, many young people I know, the, the, the type who would go out and protest at a summit like the G20 summit and march with an anarchist group, they're not really anarchists. In Understood. fact, they're more like socialists. Whatever. It doesn't matter. No, I agree. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong when they call themselves oh, anarchists. they own the term. They, however, through their actions, own the term. 
Uh, after Madison's arrest, other Tin Can participants continued to send messages. This is the Tin Can Comms Collective, a group of people who collected information and used Twitter to send mass text messages uh, to describe what they were observing. Sending sec- uh, text messages like SWAT teams rolling down Fifth Avenue. Report received that police are nabbing anyone that looks like a protester. Black block, stay alert, watch your friends. This is useful information. Yeah. But even as protesters were watching the police, it appeared the police were monitoring the protesters' communications. Gee, will they arrest the police for that? If the police are monitoring your communications, if, if you're texting and they manage to tap into that, or if you're, you've got your own two-way radios like we have here in the Keene area, we're starting to uh, activists are starting to arm up with two-way radios. Is that going to be, uh, become a crime as well? It sounds like it. Oh, no, no, but it won't be a crime for them to listen in. See, it's a crime for us to apparently report what they're doing, but for them to report on us, no, that's no problem. Same thing with videotaping, right? <laughs> the same thing in most places in the country in carrying a gun. Um, the same thing that, it, you know, the, the cops are allowed to have the drugs once they confiscate them, but you're not allowed to have the ones that they confiscate. You know, it, the, the cops do live entirely by a different set of rules than we do. Just after 1 p.m. on September 24th, a mex- uh, text message stated that a comms facility was raided, but we are still fully operational. Please continue to submit reports. So they didn't actually stop it. Just by raiding that one guy, they didn't get him because they're too diffuse. And this is one of the a great example of how it is that the centralized command and control structure just can't handle a decentralized movement. If there are multiple locations of people monitoring what the, uh, the police are doing, they can't possibly target them all in the same night. They just don't have the they don't have the resources for that. 800-259-9231. So this man is facing some pretty serious charges and if we get an update we'll certainly share it with you. Pretty disturbing stuff and be careful out there. Hour number 2 is coming up. 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free speech? What? This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and 5 days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a front sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to frontsight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to frontsight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's frontsight.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing the toll-free number. Brought to you by SACL CAI. That number is 800-259-9231. That's, again, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we'll tell you more about them in a little bit. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right to your phone calls about what you want. Kurt is in Michigan, and you're on the amp line. Hello, Kurt. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey. you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, before I get to my main point, I'd like to talk about some some issues that don't get brought up. Um, sure. In a, in the timely fashion discussions, like I called in prior uh, at you know a prior time about shooting a little girl in the head uh, who was picking your pies flowers when nobody brought up the laws of proportionality. Um, and I and I also think that 
something was said the other night that I don't think an angle was covered on. And they, a person asked if pushing a blind man out of the way of a bus would have been initiating force on him. I said it was. What do you think? Well, it all depends on whose behalf you're working. Because that person is pulling into their suicide an innocent person driving the bus who very well may wake up four or five times a night screaming at the look of that guy's face, the snapshot in his mind plastered on his on his bus. Maybe you're working for his benefit. Makes sense. So, so you're I saying think, you're saying that by stepping out in front of the bus, that man is actually committing a criminal act, and by essentially uh, rescuing him. Initiating force would, upon him, you're you're essentially you're, you're trying to prevent the criminal act from occurring. Well, how would you how would you feel if you were used as the instrument of somebody's suicide and had to live with that for the rest of your life? I, an interesting I, perspective. I, I, see the, I, I see it. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. So um, I just wanted to bring that up. You know, I mean, it, it, I think a better analogy would be: Would you tackle a guy who had a gun to his head or was holding a, a, a bottle of Clorox, threatening to drink it? Well, so I, I think that. In this case, the gentleman was uh, using the blind man as a, a guy who's sort of accidentally uh, doing something. So, like, um, you know, he was saying that it is not an initiation of force to change the diaper on a child, um, which is the example that I used. And I can, you know, my experience is it is certainly an initiation of force um, because that because uh, in in the case of Jack, he didn't he doesn't want to stop to have his diaper changed. He he has things to do and they are not on your agenda. Mm. Well, again, if, if the if the blind man is, is inadvertently walking in front of a bus, I'm sure he would thank you. And if he is not inadvertently walking in front of that bus, again, he's dragging somebody into his suicide that, that you know, and causing psych, psych, huge psychological damage to him. Well, one thing you're, you're um, assuming here, and, and I'm, I understand, probably rightfully so, however, the world isn't full of reasonable people. So the, bi- blind, the blind man may be a jerk. He may be litigious. Um, he may be one of, you know, a, a variety of different people that would, eh, it doesn't really matter to him that you saved his life. He th- he sees you as an opportunity to either vent frustrations or make some money or whatever. But, so I'm sure that truck driver would take the stand in your defense. Yeah. And, 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 and probably thank you. I'm sure. Sure. And, and in that case, it would be, of course, we might be talking about a free market world where there's no government courts. In that case, the arbitrator may just decide to laugh that guy out of the courtroom. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, As he should. Maybe, maybe he would. Maybe he would award the guy a gun where he could kill himself. But I mean, again, <laughs> that you're not dragging in somebody well, into that's the situation. I, I appreciate you bringing that perspective up because it's a great point. What else did you have on your mind tonight, Kurt? Well, I'd, I'd like to talk about now. We've met, and I hope you see me as as, as being a nonviolent individual. Um, I've never seen evidence but, of violence from you, so sure. Well, well thank you. Um, well, I'd, I would like to, because I'm getting the feeling that you're moving toward a position where violence is never the answer. Yeah, I and am I'd moving like toward that, that position. I'd like to test that theory. All right, sure. Okay. See, uh, now, you're, you're going to say I'm going off into the realm of fantastical, but the fact of, of the matter is, is these things have happened on Earth. They are happening on Earth right now, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that our Americanness precludes us from being able to get to this point. So... What happens if they set up checkpoints and you can't go a mile down the road without hitting two of them? Is that time for violence? When you say violence, what are you uh, suggesting? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that that um, you well, I'm suggesting uh, defensive violence. 
if they're setting up uh, checkpoints it, up and down the roads um, when I go there and I can't go, you know, several miles with head, without hitting two of them, what is violence going to do for that? True. No, my like, answer is no. Up. But but before you go on, my okay. answer is no. I okay. think that what so, needs to happen in the cases of police states doing the awful things that you're talking about, and certainly uh, the Jewish people in uh, Germany were subjected to some horrible things and lots of mandates and things like checkpoints, stuff like that, registration and all that. Uh, the, uh, the the stars they had to wear. So I think that really what should be done in that case is mass non-cooperation. Yeah, that okay, helped well, the Jews, didn't it? Did they mass non-cooperate? Uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't. I'm pretty sure they lined up to register and they lined up to Do you think uh, it would have made through. a difference, Ian? Do you I, think I, the Nazis, I, they were, I mean, they were beating Jews in the street. They were shooting people fairly openly. Would it, so, would, would no, I'm not going to cooperate with you shooting me. Wait a minute. Are you talking about in the beginning when they were when they were were they shooting people in the beginning or didn't that they come were a lot later? They were Jews pretty early on. That was the brown not... shirts and they didn't have the uh, the rule of law behind them. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that entirely matters. But what would have changed it, Nick? I'm not saying that anything necessarily there you go. would then, have changed so, it. So, I mean, you know, so, so you, the solution to the problem may not have been violence. It may have been violence. It may not have been non-cooperation. Did, it may have been non-cooperation. How did not resorting to violence help the Jews in Germany? They didn't non-cooperate. You see, this is the dichotomy that is fallacious. The, the suggestion or the false choice is that, well, either the Jews do nothing or they fight. And what I'm suggesting is there's another option where, or whoever the oppressed uh, group is, either the oppressed group does nothing and just goes along with the plan, or they fight. And we saw what happened when they went along with the plan, because that's for the most well, part okay. what happened. They were put into camps, and then they were, uh, you know, they were exterminated. The Buddhists in Tibet attempted non-cooperation. Consciousness. You're, you're assuming a collective consciousness that they can all think one way. The no. Most, again, you're going to have the same. I'm not assuming will go that. One way, thirty percent will go the other way. The middle forty just want to get along with it. I'm not assuming that. What percentage went the the route of non-cooperation? That's what I want to know. I've never heard any I stories about it. But I would imagine, I would imagine the next step would be people would start disappearing. Now, would that be the time for violence? What What are they going to do, Kurt? When they start disappearing, um, you know, I, what, when you pull out this gun and, and uh, you know, go for the people on the uh, the checkpoint, and I'm not saying. Well, that I'm not saying that uh, that people shouldn't do that or people wouldn't do it or whatever. I don't know. If they're putting up checkpoints every 50 feet on the road, it maybe it's time for violence. It's not time for violence for me. But what 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 if that what if that number gets to a thousand people taken and we're not hearing anything from the government? What do you want and me to do course, about it? Oh, well, of course, of course, the next step would be we'll know where those thousand people are because they're hanging out in public, dead, as a warning to everybody else, and they've stopped disappearing people and started shooting people smack dab in the head when they refuse to show their papers. Look, it's when, not the time for violence. And I understood, Kurt, and and I and now we we are going into the fantastic. Um, but and and well, then I smoke. The so then years. I go out, Kurt, and I smoke a cop. What have I done I for liberty? I smoke three of them. If, if, There's three less goons around. Different lines in the sand for different people who would act in in on, in different ways at different times. And of course, the news of their actions will affect the people who have been thinking about acting. You know what I'm saying? And and it would it would end up again. If do they? Where does it where does it stop? I mean, they have you on the rack. Is it time for violence? You're on the rack. You're done for. Well, right. I, I would point right. out, Kurt, I, I, I agree with Kurt, but I, I mean, if you look at what the Tibetans did to try to resist Chinese rule, largely because of their religious beliefs, they did try to suffer, not quietly, but they didn't turn to violence. They turned to try to show the world what was happening, 
and they didn't resort to violence against the Chinese, and over a million of them died as a result. So I, I don't think once you, I think once you reach the point of a police state where the violence is fairly overt, then I, I don't see any point to non cooperating or remaining peaceful with people who are trying to kill you or at least make you disappear to a gulag. You're also talking about an occupier. You know, the British could go home. The Chinese can go home. But the guy who disappeared me lives five doors down. He ain't going anywhere. Kurt, you know um, what I mean? But do you do you do you see what I mean? That sitting there and focusing on, well, what if this happened and what if that happened, is focusing on the violence and doesn't do anything against the police state and only internally frustrates you and and whomever might be doing it. Me, I'm, I'll let Kurt answer that when we come back. More with Kurt. Your calls as well. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It's an important conversation to have. Your thoughts are welcome, or anything you want to talk about goes. It's Free Talk Live. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site for free, and they include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see it for yourself. Go ahead and get involved if you are a lady, uh, lady listener. All the details are there on how to uh, submit your photo or video for the Shrine. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Now then, we're talking about... Uh, we have Kurt on the line with us. We're going to get right back to him and uh, take your calls about, of course, what you want. But the topic at hand is violence. And, Mark, you and I had had a uh, discussion last night about this. It was prompted by an article that our friend Dale wrote over at anarchyinyourhead.com. You can go and read that for yourself or just tune into last night's show uh, to hear it on the air. But talking about the choice between violence to achieve liberty versus peace to achieve liberty. And I am, as I was talking about before, just I'm really coming onto the side of peace these days. I used to be somebody that, you know, used to be kind of the, the gun polisher type. Oh, they'll take my guns when, uh, you know, they'll get, the, they'll get them led first. And, okay, let's fight back when they come and attack us. And, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's just not going to do anything. I mean, there have been so many examples of people who have fought back with violence when the state has uh, has come after them, and they end up dead, and they end up being outed essentially as crazies and loons in the news media. And so whenever somebody remembers them, they remember them as a nut job, not yeah. as somebody who was a freedom fighter. So I want to invite people to come here to New Hampshire, join the Free State Project, so we can achieve liberty with through peaceful means. Because I think that getting together with other like-minded people who also understand what liberty is all about, who also want to achieve it in their lifetime. I think getting together with those people in the same geographic area is going to be one of the major factors that prevents 
the uh, the tyranny that will allow us to turn things around and get to freedom uh, sometime within our lifetimes. I think being spread out makes violence more likely. I think being alone or feeling alone makes you more have a, a greater proclivity toward thinking about such violent things and uh, and, and focusing on those things. And that's what, that's uh, kind of the crux of what you were asking Kurt about a moment ago. I just again want to invite people to go to freestateproject.org to learn more about the Free State Project. I think you can come up here and you'll get a whole lot more excited about the potential for achieving liberty in our lifetime without having to focus on the idea of arming up and going out with a, a bang because that won't achieve freedom for you either and i think that's kind of what one of the points that we're making here but mark you were asking kurt a question before we went away um you know uh, uh, kurt i was just uh you know ian you remind me that i help me remember the question i'm not remembering it well uh, kurt are you there with us yeah yes i'm still okay here. do you recall what the question was kurt um I, I don't, but but I think that your intro was kind of not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about one guy that runs afoul of a city who decide, you know, and then the, the officials of the city decide to to you know make an example of them. I'm talking about wholesale wholesale abuse and large scale abuse of the entire population. And it's going on in many countries around the world. It's 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 yes. not something unusual, and it could very well come to a, you know a state near you. I don't doubt that. But um, I, this was the question, Kurt: is sitting around and thinking about the possibility of when it is that it's okay to use violence. Um, I mean. You know, it's one thing to draw a line in the sand. It's another thing entirely to sit there and think about that line. Come on, cross it. Well, Come on, cross it. I not... got my gun right here. I'm ready to go. And I, I to be that. fair, that's not what what Kurt's doing here. He's asking, do you think it's ever acceptable to use violence? That's He's not true. Saying, would it be acceptable? You know, he, he's saying, would it be acceptable here? Well, how about here? But that, that's not the point of the conversation. The the point of the conversation is, is there a point where a government becomes so tyrannical where it's acceptable to use violence to resist it kurt i think well, I, I mean I, I, i'm speaking for you there but i i think i think there is a point i don't know what that point is and like i said it's going to be different for different people you know but i think that that using violence too quickly is just as wrong as saying that violence is never the answer because you know, if somebody breaks into my home and again i'm not talking about the state but if somebody breaks into my home I'm not going to reach for a, a, a bunch of flowers to give them. I think we addressed this, Kurt, with the the breaking into the home thing, where I pointed out that violence is defined, at least at dictionary.com, by a physical force exerted for the purpose of violating, damaging, or abusing. If you're defending your wife from being raped, or you're defending your uh, your children or your property from uh, being broken into and violated by somebody who is intending to do harm, I don't consider it necessarily violence in order to uh, to, to use force to stop an aggressor in that particular case. It may very be, be the very best thing for that aggressor is to be stopped. In, the, in that but case, you're that, dealing with an individual Hold on, Kurt. In that case, you're dealing with an individual who doesn't have the force of the gang, the criminal gang known as government, and all of its uh, all of the uh, the media, the news media that will hang off of their every word, uh, going along with him, the PR machine essentially to to back him up. So, if you were to use force in that particular case to defend your family, then there would be then you would be seen as a hero in that case. But if it's uh, if it's a Ruby Ridge situation and you've got the government coming in and they're they're sieging your home, then if you use violence, you're going to end up dead anyway. So, what would you do in that particular case? Well, I would give up because I understand that. That's you know, but but if again, if if they've turned the entire country into Ruby Ridge, you know, 
That's that's what I'm talking about. Well, it's about not going to all happen overnight. See, this well, is that's not necessarily that Ian, that's not necessarily true. It, many times throughout history, it has happened overnight. It's built and built and built and got progressively worse. But then, you know, then the killing does start on the part of the government pretty much overnight. There Even was crystal so, knock, there was the sitting around and waiting for it. That this this is the part that is killing my soul, Kurt. I mean, this is the one that's, this is what's getting me, is the constant thought about these cops and what they do, and these government bureaucrats, and thinking what I can do to stop them. I have these fantasies, Kurt, wait, Kurt, I have these fantasies of pulling out a gun. I don't own a gun, and shooting these people and stopping them from the violence that they're committing against people. I need a way out, Kurt, and I'll tell you what, thinking about where that line in the sand is not my way out. But also going in front of the, the White House and sitting down very calmly and setting yourself on fire didn't work in... I'm not going to do it. Either. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make you that sacrifice. Nobody advocated that. Not Kurt. interested in it. But if, again, if what you're doing is you're allowing people to get away with stealing, raping, and murdering... We're allowing it now. Thing, the only thing that you have to offer point. them is forgiveness, what you are doing is you are enticing them to do it some more because they're completely and utterly unopposed. We're doing it now, Kurt. The, the government is stealing. They're killing. They're, in, they're kidnapping people. They're doing it completely out in the open, and you Not and completely. I and nobody else is doing anything about it. When, when they hang them in front of the town, when they hang them in the town square, as an example, why would they do it? They, they, may, they may do that, but maybe they won't. I mean, that's your line in the sand when the dead bodies hanging in the, the town well, square. I, I don't know what my line in the well, sand is. But I would, I'll tell you, it's going to be well before they've mapped out all the Free State Project homes and send a and send a tank down the street to blow them all up after they've forced people to stand. Wow, that's so paranoid. Law. It could happen, but I, 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 what am I going to do about a tank, Kurt? Well, you can buy an what RPG, Mark. <laughs> You don't have one of those? I do not have an RPG. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt, for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. I don't have a samurai sword. I got nothing. I got a rake. What am I going to go well, out there and beat his tank? <laughs> yeah. I got nothing well, for these people. Kurt's talking about an extreme example. I think it's important to remember that. As long as you're free to come here and do a radio show and criticize the government, then I don't think it's time for violence. But it might not always be that way. Toll free number is 800. So as long as I'm on the radio, I don't have to talk about uh, violence. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on this or whatever you want to discuss. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. I love the British Sovereign. It's about a quarter ounce, which is usable for a gold coin. They tend to be older and thus are numismatic and untracked by the government. They have the 100-year-old wow factor for the layman and are easily storable for emergencies. You can get them for only $288. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold. FreeTalkLive.com. The shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877-857-9938. Gold.FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you just need to click and download. They're right there for you. Front page of the website. 
freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live has teamed up with Midas Resources to offer our listeners uh, you know, low-cost and very uh, acquirable gold and silver. We have several different pieces that I picked out myself. And uh, for those of you who can't just come up with uh, the, the money it takes to buy 20 of these, because it's really best to buy 20 of these coins at once just for shipping purposes, and it, it lowers the cost per coin that uh, you have to pay in order to get it from there to you, we, they have a layaway program. And this layaway program, essentially you can put 10% down for the 20 coins, whether they're gold or silver, and we have several different varieties for you to pick from. And then on a weekly or biweekly basis, whenever you get your paycheck, you can give them some more money. So essentially every paycheck you can put a little money away in gold and silver, and you can have that as a hedge against inflation. Uh, like gold is broken away today. It's gone, uh, it's gone up to its highest point ever from uh, the dollar value. Nick? It's yeah, it's over one thousand and forty dollars. So I mean, that's that's a breakout. So when we were offering these uh, three weeks ago, and they were below a thousand, like you missed out on it. So do you want to be? Do you want to get it now before it goes above eleven hundred? It's gold.freetalklive.com to buy in mass, or if you want to do the layaway program, it's eight seven seven eight five seven. 9938. That's 877 857 9938. We continue taking your phone calls. Dave is in Nevada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Hey, what's going on? Dave, what's on your mind? We're doing a radio show. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Um, so, real quick before I get to my main thing, I wanted to say I've been, I took the startpage.com seven day challenge. Okay. And uh, I really like it. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I have. Two computers here at work, a Mac and a PC, and then a Mac at home, and then all of them have Start Page as my main uh, search engine now. Excellent. And it works great. It's really fast. And it and keeps you private. It keeps me private, most importantly, when I'm looking up donkey shows or how to make bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that at work, okay? <laughs> so um, I kind of wanted to um, take a, a break from the typical uh, – you know, are you going to shoot people or whatnot? Because uh, I was listening to a podcast a little while ago where Mark was talking about Bigfoot. Um, I do love and, Bigfoot. And um, I, I didn't want to talk about Bigfoot, mm. um, but I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, ghosts. Ghosts, um, okay. You know, you know, not necessarily getting into the Art Bell, George and Norian realm, but, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' opinions, if you had any experiences, um, because I had an experience as a child um, uh, probably third or fourth grade where, um, my parents had gone out to LA for something and I stayed with my grandmother. And when I was in kindergarten, my grandfather, um, died of a heart attack and he was a heavy smoker. Um, and so, uh, we were staying with her and, um, it was the middle of the night and, um, and you heard I coughing. Had... <laughs> was that you heard coughing from the other room? No, I did no. not hear okay. coughing. I heavy actually, smoker. I had to pee. So I got up, and it's a ranch-style home, and um, so I came out of the bathroom, and I, I smelled cigarette smoke. Hmm. Oh, that's weird. You know, it's just me and my sister and my grandmother. My grandmother doesn't smoke. I could hear her snoring in bed, and um, I looked down the hall, and there I saw my grandfather sitting. Uh, he, came, he had been dead for several years now. I saw him sitting on the couch where he would always sit with the cigarette in his hand, looking at the TV as if he was watching it. Oh, that's creepy. And, uh, it it was kind of weird. Are yeah, you pulling? Um, are you pulling our chain? Really? Did you see that? Yeah, I'm not pulling your chain. This 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 you, really happened. You smelled cigarette um, smoke. You saw uh -huh. your grandfather. And what were you doing before you went out to go to the bathroom? I was sleeping. Okay. And then I Is woke it possible up. you were just dreaming? 
Um, no, because I was awake. Yeah, but how do you I, know? I, I was. Uh, well, I woke up and went, "Wow, I have to pee," and um, you know, I well, got I've up. Had, I've had peeing dreams before, well, and they're very disturbing I'll, to me because I'll actually go. I'll actually go to the bathroom in the dream, but thank goodness I'm not going to the yeah, bathroom in real that, life. That really is awful. I've I hate had those dreams. dreams where I'm going to the bathroom in real life but during the peeing dream. We're talking about the guy's grandpa here. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. I'm not going to tell you you didn't see your grandfather sitting there, and uh, you know. But most of these ghost stories um, that I see on the Internet or on TV or anything like that, they always strike me as crackpotty. But, well, you know, I can tell you that, that my dad, who uh, seemed like a very grounded man, really did believe in, in, uh, in ghosts. So, uh, I don't know, maybe he just believed in them to make life more interesting. Whatever. I think you yeah, probably well, saw well, what you saw. I just don't know that that was actually there. And I don't think that makes you crazy. I just... Yeah, you know, no, he's crazy. I, no, I, I've met. Qu- I've, I'm crazy. I've met. Come get you. <laughs> I've met quite a few people who seem pretty grounded. I've met at least a few who have seen dead people who are not there anymore. That doesn't yeah, mean I they're mean, schizophrenic was, or anything. That just means sometimes I think the brain work. You're just seeing things that aren't necessarily the way they are in an objective reality or in the way that another observer would see them, but. Uh, I don't think that you didn't see what you saw. Right, I just I'm not don't saying there. I'm not saying there aren't unexplained phenomena. And I've heard some pretty amazing stories myself, uh, but I'm just trying to explain it. That's all. You were sleeping at the time. Well, I think you when believe you, you woke da- up. When you see somebody from your life who has died, that's. I think that's actually more common than a lot of people realize. Really? I think a lot of people just won't admit to it because they're worried that it'll make them. Look a little. Okay, so what's the rest of the story, Dave? You saw the grandpa on the couch smoking a cigarette. Did you talk to him? Did you what? What happened then? Well, I I really had to pee, and I just kind of saw it, and and it's really hard to explain. I didn't think anything of it. I don't know why. Um, I went in, took a leak, came out, and he was gone. The little smoke was gone, and I just went back to bed. I didn't try and go over because I didn't really know him that well. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't try and go over and and talk to him or say hey or aren't you supposed to be dead or something like that. Um, but um, you know I would I would I would say hey maybe you got a point like with the whole seeing things, but smelling things. Um, well, seeing is I mean seeing is just another sense as is smelling. I mean you're just talking about some of your senses that were being manipulated in some way and again it could be just simply that you were sleeping and you thought you were awake the entire time and in point of fact you never actually did go to the bathroom it could be simply a, a vivid dream of course some would uh, make the argument that this is all a vivid dream well at this uh, point but, it's been um it, it's been years since it occurred he doesn't have any reference points to uh, be able to say yes you're right or no, no you're I'm not, not saying so it's all you sound like is somebody who's trying to discount his story look you saw your grandpa Fine. You saw your grandpa. Well, I, it would have been a lot more. I, I understand that, Mark. But if, if it had been the middle of the day and he was just getting home from work. Oh, then the story would be believable. Right. Then, it, Well, I mean, then it would be have a little more credibility because then there wouldn't be the possibility that he was actually still asleep. You don't get asleep. to see dead people when you want to see dead people, Ian. I understand <laughs> that. But the fact that he was just sleeping prior to this event makes me say maybe he was still, uh, maybe Dave was, was still sleeping. All right, Dave, you're crazy. See ya. No, Dave. No, what, I, wasn't, did you want to share? I wasn't still, I mean, I was awake. I, like, I really, I've, I've never had a dream where I pee in my dream and don't wake up. I can um, tell you I, I have, have had, had dreams that. And I wake up and go, ah, you know, and hope I haven't went to bed. But, uh, like, I'm, I'm, 
I'm pretty sure I was awake. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, I got no, I've got no reason to disbelieve yeah. you. I was just putting I, forth my immediate thought of, hmm, well, this yeah. could have been the case yeah. because. I, I mean, I, I believe you, Dave. I just, I think that people see <laughs> dead people <laughs> who aren't there when they're awake. And I don't think that makes you crazy. I just, you know, you're, you're on this earth for hopefully 60, 70 years. Your brain might make a couple, you know, might fill a couple things in. It, it's some at some point during that time, and I, I, it's a pretty common experience to to maybe not see a dead relative, but to think that they're around you, or to think that they've moved something. I mean, that's that's fairly common, and a lot of people think they've interacted with ghosts, and I don't think it makes them crazy. So you don't yeah, like I, mean, the term- I, I used to go down into his workshop because he had a whole, um, like he used to design like. He was partly an electrical engineer, and I'd go down to his workshop. After he died, my grandmother never touched it. So I'd go down there and just mess with things. Sometimes you feel like somebody's there, sometimes not, and that I don't really consider to be any sort of real evidence. So, Dave, you don't like the term crazy. How about soft in the head? Oh, be nice, Mark. Be nice. (laughs) Haven't you had any weird experiences? (laughs) Of course I've had them. I'm just playing with Dave. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the call and the story. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. There are unexplained things out there. It's Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free. So enjoy those on us. If you like the program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote us and help us get on more radio stations, bring more internet listeners to the program, go to promote.freetalklive.com to get a whole list of things that you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. That's promote.freetalklive.com. And it really is the show that allows you to bring up whatever you want. Uh, We just had somebody call in uh, about ghosts. It's been a while since such a topic has come up. I mean, this is not the Art Bell show. Does he even do his show anymore, the Art Bell show? I I, I, I think that he does like a weekend show. Um, and then George, uh, George, no. Well, they I have the old school ones they're playing. They, they yeah. play the ones that are 10 years old or 15 years old. But I don't, I don't know if Art Bell's still doing. Anyway, there's, this is not that kind of show, but we'll certainly talk about those issues if you want to bring them up. And the last caller, Dave in Nevada, was telling us a story about how he swears that he saw his dead grandfather on the couch as he was getting up from uh, from being asleep to go to the bathroom. And my suggestion immediately, I thought, well, maybe you were still being influenced by the fact that you were sleepy. Though he was certainly, he was certain that he was wide awake uh, at the time that that, that had happened. Uh, but there are all kinds of interesting stories out there that are just unexplainable. That there's just no way to uh, to physically explain them, and certainly some of them are hoaxes, and some of them are a bunch of nonsense. And I think that, the, by the way, the Penn and Teller episode, Penn and Teller's BS, great television program. There's one they did about ghost hunters, which was hilarious. These people that essentially spend their free time 
going around with video cameras and audio recording equipment and everybody you know, knows you can't record a ghost hanging out in these areas in which the ghost sightings have been reported trying their trying their darndest to capture some sort of fleeting image uh and then trying to make the claim that what they've captured is actually some sort of paranormal activity i think all that's a bunch of silliness and there's never really been anything conclusive in the hundreds of hours that the these only people... ghost sighting that matters is your own yeah and if you saw it you know whatever you saw it it is whatever it is to you and that's fine i mean i i've had Get on with your life images and things like that of things i've seen i i saw some lightning bugs one time and thought that i was going to get probed uh, you know i mean <laughs> it's you know whatever you see it's fi- it's fine i'm not going to tell you you're nuts but i i do find most of the stuff that i see on tv to be a bunch of hogwash. Well, I would say that you're I, I would say that you're not nuts for seeing something that was unexplainable or telling people about it. I would say the nutsiness comes in when you start to dedicate your life to trying to see it again or when you are you become obsessed with what you believe that you saw that it becomes the the focus of your life. You know, it's one thing to see your dead grandfather uh, one night when you woke up to go to the bathroom, go back to bed, and then get up and go to the work, th- go to work the next day, and not really, you know, do anything about that. But to start setting up video cameras to monitor the couch uh, 24 hours a day to make sure that uh, old Gramps doesn't come back for another visit, and just to kind of become obsessed over it, I think that's where the nuttiness comes in. It may be. I, I can understand why people think about it a lot, because people certainly think about what happens after they die. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big question for a lot of people. So I think that's why ghosts in particular get so much attention. I think you're absolutely right. As opposed right. to people claiming they saw a unicorn or, you know, something like that. Yeah, where like are that. the unicorn reports? I mean, they, they've got Bigfoot reports out there. How come people aren't... There's Bigfoot, Are you comparing Bigfoot to unicorn? I'm, to more, I'm certainly more convinced that Bigfoot could be real than I am that ghosts could be real. What about unicorns? I I not really. Leprechauns. Have unicorns at the circus. What about leprechauns? What a leprechaun! No one looks for those anymore. Do the only they? crazy people think leprechauns exist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue here. And Mark is in North Carolina. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Mark, Hello. North Carolina. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. What's on your um, mind tonight, Mark? I'm caller. Um, yes, sir. What's on your about mind? Three weeks. Oh, welcome. Uh, actually, uh, the story you just had on it. Previous to me, it kind of rings a bell. Um, I had a similar experience, uh, albeit a little, little more uh, detailed. I guess you could say I was older. And, okay. What happened? Uh, anyway, I was uh, make a long story short. Uh, I was 19. Um, my grandfather and I have always been very close, and uh, we shared the same birth date. Actually, hmm. we spoke on our birthday uh, on January 19th in 2001 or two. I can't really recall. Um, but uh, everything seemed fine. We, we, you know, discussed typical things. And then about two or three weeks later, uh, I was laying in bed. Uh, it was early in the morning, uh, 3, 4 a.m., and I, you know that, like, that realm between sleep and awake when you can, like, smell the coffee but you're still dreaming? Yes, sure. It was kind of like that, um, but... Well, you know, we've always had, everybody has the dream. Uh, inside of a dream, you know, you always believe it's happening, and then you wake up and you go, wow, that, you know, you can tell the difference between a dream and reality. Well, Sometimes. Was, I, it's still, well, I don't know, I always have dreams where, like, you know, things seem realistic when I wake up and go, wait a minute, I don't know Ronald McDonald. 
Sure, sure. Once you wake um, up, you you can ascertain that you are indeed exactly. dreaming. Typically, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm laying in bed and I I didn't see anything, but I felt the weight of my grandfather's hand on my chest, hmm. and uh, he basically said uh, in no certain uncertain terms, you know, I'm sorry this happened. Goodbye. Tell everybody uh, I'm okay and uh, I love them and goodbye. And that was basically it. And I said. I mean, I could hear his voice. Uh, I could hear the trembling in his voice. Um, I could feel the weight of his hand on my chest, and I said to him something to the respect of, okay, Grandpa, don't worry. Love you, bye. And then I got up and went to the bathroom <laughs> and uh, had forgotten about it by the time I got back to bed. And about two or three days later, I was at work getting ready to come home, uh, and I was cleaning up my area. And all of a sudden, the dream came back to me. I call it a dream because I don't really know what else to call it. And, uh, you know, I was kind of disturbed, like, kind of guilty, you know. Who, why would I dream about my grandfather's death? So the memory you were at work and the memory of the dream came back to you is what you're saying? Yes, yes. Okay. And your, you, I had, I your grandfather was alive at this time? I, last I talked to him, January 19th, 2000, I believe, two. I, think, I believe it was 2002. We were actually planning a trip to Alaska with my cousin, and everything seemed fine. And uh, three weeks later, I had this incredibly realistic dream to this day. It still seemed like reality as if I'm, ha- you know, close your eyes and have a conversation with somebody. And, I mean, you can hear the voice. You can feel the you can feel the voice almost. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so I'm driving home, and I'm, you know, replaying this dream in my mind. And I get home, and I, I'm still 19, living at home, and I tell my mother, about this dream, and uh, halfway through it, she starts getting all red in the face and teary-eyed, and I'm just kind of like laughing at her, going, oh, it's, what you, it's just a dream, calm down. And that's when she you know, lets me know that uh, for the past uh, three weeks, my grandfather has been missing, and they have been keeping the information, it has just been kept between the, 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 his children, yeah. the information. Oh dear! Because they didn't want to worry anybody, because he did have a habit of you know, just packing up his truck and going on like a three-month backpacking trip and not telling anybody that's just how he was and uh so yeah uh three weeks later i have this dream we uh, find out he's missing and like instantly i could just i just felt that he was gone you know by and large because of that dream and uh anyway uh, about three months later they found his body in the woods wow he had been tied to a tree hmm. uh and anyway he well, was tied to a tree yeah he was tied to a tree and he died of uh uh, we don't know. We don't know exactly what happened. Uh, he was tied to a tree, and he drank. It was basically strangled to death. And uh, my gosh! Anyway, yeah. How awful. So anyway, uh, given the extreme nature of you know what happened to him, I can sort of understand you know possibly why he would need to come back and say specifically, "Don't worry, I'm okay." You know, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that's... what happened and everything. Wow. Anyway, that's amazing. Know. And and there have been a lot of stories like that of. Of people who, and maybe it doesn't necessarily have to involve death, but it could involve, you know, the story of like the mother that's at home washing the dishes while she's struck with a vision that her daughter is in a car wreck or something like that, and it turns out, in point of fact, her daughter did get into a car wreck at that time, at that, you know, at that night, and it's one of those weird things that there's no physical explanation for, there's no scientific explanation for, but you you can't look at somebody who's telling you that story or a story like yours, you can't look at somebody and say, well, that's just a bunch of nonsense, because you were there, you experienced it, and I have no reason to disbelieve what you're saying. Absolutely. I don't expect you guys to become, you know, 
converts overnight or anything. In fact, at the time, I was borderline atheist. Well, wait, what would I I convert to? I mean, what what would I convert to? Well, the belief in some kind of, you know, afterlife, after this experience. I mean, this is too much much of a coincidence to be a coincidence for me. I I think that uh, energy is neither created nor destroyed, and I don't know what happens after a body. Yeah, I've heard that theory, and I don't don't know exactly. I'm not saying that there's a heaven or anything. Right, I don't subscribe to anything specific, because how could I really know? But I, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, there's some interesting things that have been looked at as far as uh, people studying near-death experiences and, and things like that about the nature of consciousness and and what happens to consciousness after a body dies. It's an open question right now, and I thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour three's coming up. It's free talk live. Bring up any. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that. Fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program, and you can join us online and on the air. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Allows you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. We will continue taking your phone calls and then update you on what has happened in Massachusetts after they've decriminalized marijuana, possession of marijuana for anybody who's possessing it. We'll tell you about uh, what's happening in a little bit, but first, your calls about what you want. We'll go first to Nick, who is in Massachusetts, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Hi. Um, uh, I-, I wanted to sort of comment on uh, a-, a comment you made about um, anarchists at the G20, um, who uh, who you said that uh, if they have Lenin on their wall, may be conflicted. Um, I'm, I'm going to merely make the suggestion, I'm not saying that I agree with it, um, but I, I would think that they would accuse you of the same thing for maybe, you know, I'm not saying you do, but, you know, they might have this misconception in your head that maybe uh, you necessarily support people like Ayn Rand and um, Murray Rothbard and, uh, you know, quote-unquote fake, cap, uh, fake anarchists like that. So I don't it, have pictures of Ayn Rand or Murray Rothbard, nor do I have, um, I don't think I have any of their books either. Uh, there well, is an yeah. antler shrugged around this house. I've this seen house, it. not this house. There used to be. Uh, it, when I came and bought the house, it was actually in the house. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but I never read it. I, I did read Ayn Rand when I was in high school. They forced me. Uh, it was actually it was okay. It was an okay book. Uh, Anthem, which was I think her sh- one of her shortest books that she ever wrote. So that's about my familiarity with with Ayn Rand beyond the discussions we've had with people here on this show. So not a real good comparison, at least for my life. But go ahead. Yeah, I know. That's why. That's why I said misconception, and, and right. you know, it doesn't necessarily imply. But I'm just saying that it works. It sort of works both ways. That, but it that, doesn't. Um, it, like Nick, there's um, there's right and there's wrong. There's actual and there's fake. And the I, having been uh, an anarchist, uh, an anarcho-communist in high school, I kind of have a, some conceptualization of what they believe. And in fact. I, they they have this sort of fantasy that somehow the world, if we get rid of the government, will 
shake out the way that they believe and that people will live in, you know, communes of the sizes between 35,000 and 55,000 people. And in those communes that they will specialize in uh, the production of, you know, various goods like uh, organic whole grain breads or, uh, you know, uh, biodiesel fuel trucks or or whatever it is that they they believe that the world's going to look like. But in fact, they're really just fiction writers. Still there? Uh, yeah, I'm still there. I'm just wondering how so. Like, are you going to elaborate? Uh, they are coming up with a... St- the, there will be... If, if you are an anarchist, then you believe that there should be no government. Then the world's going to shake out the way the world shakes out. And what they believe the world's going to look like afterwards is just a fantasy in their mind. Absolutely. I still have the same thing to say about my friend Ian here, who's a voluntarist. <laughs> um, but... You know, at least to me, his his uh, his his grasp of human uh, interactive uh, interaction is a lot better. Like he has a a good idea how people will interact. Yeah, um, I I don't think necessarily if you're an anarchist you have to be um, against government in total. I, I'm against forced government. I'm against forcing a group of people. Um, uh, you know, well now you're you're redefining government. You're redefining government like Mark does. I mean, uh, Mark, Mark, Mark will sometimes take the same position of, well, I think that we can have government that doesn't initiate force on people. Well, that, that's not really a government because to govern means to control, and it usually doesn't involve consent. But if you want to redefine government for that purpose, okay, fine. You know? All right. I think I, I mean I'm not saying that you know it, it could exist. I'm just saying that you know uh, the whole concept exactly of government maybe shouldn't be ruled out. Some people who want it, you know, I think that's fine as long as they don't force it on other people. You know, if it sure. did get out of, I agree with did, you. Oh, okay. If and you want to have somebody good. tell you that what to sound do, sound like an anarchist to me. Now, if you want to have somebody tell you what to do, you should be able to hire somebody to tell you what to do. If that's yeah, something exactly. that makes you feel better. Yeah. It sounds like a voluntarist. Um, uh, if you if you do you know want a government, then you should be able to elect people you know freely and and get them into office. And if that's what you want to do, as but, long but, as but you wait don't a minute, it on wait me. Wait a minute, Nick. I agree with what Mark is saying here. What you're describing there, where somebody could hire someone to tell them what to do uh, to govern their actions by consent, would be a voluntary act. That would be a, a essentially a, a support of voluntarism, not anarchism. A- anarchism is without rule, without rules. It would rulers. be in, sort of, in support of voluntarism, not anarchism? That's what Mark was saying, and I completely agree with it. Oh, all right. Well, that, that's fine. I, I and anarchism are too different. You said you, are th- you do think they're different? No, I said I don't think they're too different. I think they are different. I think that anarchism is the lack of rulers, and voluntarism is a, is a, essentially a description of how mankind should interact. I think oh, that voluntarism well, is, says that you should interact with other human beings on a voluntary basis. Anarchism says nothing about that. Anarchism is like atheism, without God, without rulers. That's what the A in front of the word means. Yeah, I know. So, no, it's not the same. Well, no. they're not really rulers if you voluntarily hire them to tell you what to do. Which would be why that's voluntarism, not anarchism. But I'm saying... I I see your point. But they are your rulers. You've consented to being ruled at that point. These governments today say it's all about the consent of the governed. I mean, we know it's not true, but that's what they say. Well... I think they mean a consent of most people. <laughs> they, they, they mean that people haven't risen up and killed them. <laughs> right, yeah, I, I think that... I, I, personally, I, I think you go a little bit too far with how much they try to justify it as being through the consent of the governed because 
I don't think anyone in government claims that it's a voluntary thing. It's all you have to do is listen. It's uh, the, just the I idea mean, is I've heard I've heard I've heard video uh, recordings, uh, actually seen uh, audio video recordings of uh, this politician. I can't remember Ian. I'm I'm caught out, caught out here flat footed. But this politician defending the tax system as though it is voluntary. Jan, uh, Jan or Jan, I'm not sure you pronounce his name, but Jan Helfeld is his name or Hellfield. I, I'm not certain as to how it's spelled exactly. And he but. had what Trent Lott was that the uh, the politician? He's had on all there? kinds of politicians. Some major name politician on there and yeah. asking him about how. You know whether taxes are voluntary. The politicians, yes, taxes are voluntary. You voluntarily send them in, or yep. we come and put you in jail. Exactly. Uh, can I, can yes, I interject sir. for a second here? No. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Sure, go ahead. Um, I, I do. I mean, I do call myself a voluntarist occasionally. I call myself an anarchist too because I, I don't seem, you know, it doesn't seem to really matter to me. Uh, Sometimes more, when more people in my school know me as an anarchist than a voluntarist, but um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when a girl will let me, I'll show her my big muscle. <laughs> I, you know, like I'll, I'll flex my arm and I'll show it to her, and I really think that that's what calling oneself an anarchist really. Well, that's not to. what I'm trying to do, though. I'm just oh, you're right. Uh, I mean, you know, okay. I, I know I've heard you make this point before, Mark, but that's not what I'm not trying to instill. Like, oh, he's an anarchist. He's such a cool guy, you know. Yeah, well, that's what it seems like to me. Uh, oh, right. Again, the well, term that's anarchy, how it would be for me if I did it. How's that, Nick? The, the term anarchy obviously has different definitions, uh, and it all depends on who you're talking to. So clearly, you're talking about the anarchists that doesn't have anything to do with the anarchists that are seen like at a G20 protest breaking windows and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those guys either. But none of the, nonetheless, one of the definitions of anarchy is confusion, chaos, and disorder. Uh, yeah. Also, political and social disorder due to the absence of governmental control. I don't think that voluntarism in any way suggests that. Those things. Voluntarism yeah. suggests a voluntary order emerging from the natural way things the uh, things should be. But also, anarchy is defined as a state of society without government or law. So you were just saying that you believe that you should be able to have governments if you consent to it, which again would not be anarchy. Uh, Laws can really, be private, but they're not really governments. They're but they really, would be I, a government. To govern would be to control. I don't right? think they're really laws if they're consensual, voluntary contracts are being issued by agencies i think the the word Why law not? the word law has a connotation to it that it's the law it's mandatory it's just the way things it's the law when are. you come into my home that you take off your shoes no, that's, that's my not, private no law. that's not the law why not? The law is that it's your property so that you maybe you can do what you want with it that would be the law. The law is basically, for most of human history, it's just been what has been the acceptable thing to do. Government, the political direction and control exercised over the actions of the members, citizens, or inhabitants of communities, societies, and states. There's nothing there saying inherently that it has to be coercive. It's just always been the history of government. So maybe government can be a completely voluntary organization, in which case you still wouldn't have anarchy. I don't know. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Words, uh, very interesting. Words are certainly something you want to make sure, I think you want to make sure you get right. Uh, 800-259-9231. I think there is a difference between anarchy and voluntarism. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Libby's 100% Pure Pumpkin. Learn how to give everyday recipes a nutritional boost with the power of pumpkin at VeryBestBaking.com. When choosing fruits and vegetables, orange or yellow are your best bets. Vegetables like butternut squash, pumpkin, or yellow peppers are rich in nutrients that are linked with lower risks of certain cancers and heart disease. On the fruit side, cantaloupe, bananas, and oranges offer the same benefits, plus one more. Kids love them. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got our Facebook profile. Just go to facebook.freetalklive.com, and you can become a fan there. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and your free gun. That's FrontSight.com. I saw one of those uh, Springfield Armory XDs the other other evening, and it is a a very attractive gun. I've heard good things about it. There's no doubt about it. FrontSight.com to get the details and get on board with that. All right. So I want to continue with the phone calls in a moment. Just want to briefly continue the conversation first about anarchist versus voluntarist. When I when I was uh, back when I considered myself a libertarian and I was discovering the ideas of voluntarian voluntarism. A word that was thrown around a lot was anarcho-capitalist, as though it were the same as voluntarist. And while I embraced that initially, because it sounded like what I believed at the time, I now have rejected it because I don't think it's the same at all. I think that there are people within this movement that are really anarchists, that they believe there should be no rules or that there should be no rulers. And I, but I think that even though the definition of anarchist or anarchy might be no rules or excuse me no rulers, I think no rules also tends to be the case with uh, with a lot of anarchists. And to give you an example of what I mean by that, there was a situation recently here at the local cable access channel, and you're probably familiar with this, Nick, as you are the host of Free Minds TV, which is produced here in Keene, New Hampshire, and you can see that online at uh, freemindsmedia.com. You can also listen to Free Minds Radio. All of that is available and available free at freemindsmedia.com, plus blog posts. You guys still doing that, right? We are. Excellent. Uh, so head on over there and enjoy that. But one of the things that was happening was you had a whole bunch of uh, liberty activists that were coming in to help you out with producing your show. And at one point, the director of the station really nice guy named Lee, decided to start enforcing the policies about being a member of the organization called Cheshire TV, which is a public access channel. And there are certain rules that uh, that apply to the public access channel. One of those rules is you have to live in Keene or a couple of the surrounding towns or work in those places in order to be a member. Now, you can be a member if you live outside of those particular geographic designations, but it costs you $50 a year. Or volunteer time. I think they're still allowing people to to do some volunteer work for the station in lieu of paying money. So you could go to a city council meeting and operate a camera four times or five times or something like that. You could do some work, a certain amount of hours of work for the station itself to essentially pay your membership. Right. So you're working off the $50 fee if you live outside of the area. So a couple of the uh, the liberty activists took issue with this demand because essentially Lee had been the director had been bending the rules before to allow people who didn't live in Keene or the uh, the other two towns to use the station's facilities and to operate the equipment and all that. And he'd been bending the rules and he decided, "Okay, well, I I can't do this anymore. We're going to start, you know, enforcing these rules. If you don't live in the area, you can volunteer or you can pay the 50 bucks." And so there were a couple of people that decided to say, to hell with that. I'm not going to go through with this. I don't want to pay the 50 bucks, and I don't want to volunteer. I don't have anything to do with this. I'm out of here. And they, they walked away at that point, which is their prerogative. But I think that that's an example of somebody that just doesn't – they don't want to de- – you know, they don't want your rules. Even, even though it's it, – okay. 
the public access station technically is a government governmental organization, but it's completely controllable by the the membership. Basically, the members have all the power in this particular organization. So, had they cared enough about it, they probably could have mounted some sort of campaign to change those rules. But uh, and it would have been much more pal- much more possible than any sort of political campaign that you'd have ever ever been involved in. I mean. Nobody ever votes for the board of directors, for instance. So it's like if you were to run for the board of directors and get one vote, you'd you'd get in. Uh, so it's a very easily manipulable system should they have wanted to do that. But they didn't care. They just decided, the hell with these rules. We're out of here. Which, again, is fine, but it's an example of, I think, the difference between somebody who is an anarchist versus somebody who's a voluntarist. I told the executive director, I fully support what you're doing here. You know, these guys were being allowed to have a freebie before, and I don't see anything wrong with saying, look, here are our rules, and we're asking you to abide by them at this point. And if you don't like it, then go away. That's fine. But it's, but I think that's kind of a difference. Am I making sense here? The, yeah, the difference I mean, between an anarchist, somebody who just, I don't want any rules. I think you're drawing conclusions about those particular people, and I don't know. They're people I, that I like. I'm not sure I like that, them all personally. I I'm really do. not sure that I would call having those rules a form of government, though. It governs that organization. Well, now we're getting back to the well, right. Now we're getting back to the question of what is government? Is government always a coercive agency, a coercive apparatus? I believe that on some level it is. Well, in in the history of mankind, it certainly has been. Could you have a government that is a fully con- consent-based organization? I, I would think you could. I don't like calling it a government because I think it's got all that baggage attached to it of you know the violence thing. Um, well, so, what are you going to do with someone who's murdering people? Say. You know, take them to arbitration, and if you don't want to go to arbitration, then their credit score is going to be affected. I mean, I think that if you've got a murderer out there and you can prove that they're the murderer, then you can absolutely snag them and take them off the streets. But if you don't get the right guy, then your reputation is going to be at serious risk. So make sure you get the right murderer. Yeah, right. What what we don't currently have going is. is I mean, essentially, you're just talking about frontier justice, though. What does that mean? Where where people solve those kinds of problems themselves. Instead of where the cops do it and they get the wrong guy often and uh, there's there's no recompense for what well, they what usually it is that they, if you look if you look at most places that don't have some kind of a, a system to address those those grievances whether it's somebody damaged your property the system would be there it would be the companies that protect people. But the people who are being judged against, I, I'm not sure that they would have the incentive to abide by the rulings. Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about murderers or are we talking about something else? It doesn't else? matter. Murderers, property boundary disputes, who's going the in- to... The incentive would be, if it was just somebody that's, you know, hurt, damaged some property, If the, the incentive would be their reputation. I think that would make a difference in that point. If you're talking about a madman that's going around slaughtering people, then they have to be handled differently. Okay, now we've gone off from the discussion of what is an anarchist versus a voluntarist. Are they the same thing? Into a discussion of private justice. If you want to come back around to that, that's that's fine. But well, I, I just, think that private justice calls. is what you usually get when you have a government around. But that's just my personal opinion. And I'm in favor of private justice because I'm in favor of competition. It I gets think messy. That, it's messy right now, dude. There are people being it, put in jail cells for having plants in their pocket. Well, certainly, yeah. I'll agree with that. But right, and, and it's getting but messy. Be, how about be, the hundred plus people that have been let out of the prison over, but over you're time? Not, but you're not really making a case for why it's better to have people solve disputes over, say, a stolen car with baseball bats. You're not really I making a case. say with baseball that's, bats? It, that's often how these things are resolved in parts of the world where there's no justice system. Or <laughs> I didn't arbitrator. say there would be no justice system. I think that in the, in the free marketplace, 
you would likely see, considering there'd be a demand for that sort of thing, you would likely see the marketplace and people in search of a profit coming up with those systems that you're looking for. They would come up with competing, likely private arbitration. I can't say exactly what it would look like. I don't know. I'm not there. We're not there yet. But to say that just because there wouldn't be a governmental one-size-fits-all monopoly meaning means there would be nothing is a false choice. And it doesn't also well, mean that there would be people out with baseball bats It might be a around. false choice or it might not. It hasn't been tried yet, like you said, so we That's don't true. really know, do we? We don't know. But we do know that generally when people have demands in the marketplace, they tend to get what they want from people that are willing to provide those services at a cost. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. You bring up anything, this is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. Gunday, Gunday, Gunday. Three days to exercise your Second Amendment rights for only $10 per person, October 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. The world's largest machine gun shooting military gun show is fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and over 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m. Call 502-922-4457 or visit KnobCreekRange.com. That's KnobCreekRange.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free. The number runs you by SACL CAI. It is 800-259-9231. Perhaps you might own or know someone who does, a company that's struggling to collect money owed from past due accounts. Delinquent accounts are problematic, not only from the standpoint of diminished revenues, but businesses find themselves sidetracked by the arduous task of trying to collect on these accounts. Consequently, valuable time and resources are pulled away from principal operations, SACL CAI liberates businesses from inefficiencies and the vexing task of collections. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. I like that ad just because it used the word vexing. (laughs) 800-259-9231. We continue here. Take your calls. Enemy of the state in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hey, guys. uh, Funny, I've been on hold for a while, and you got around to what I was going to call and talk about. Oh, what was that? Which was uh, the use of terms and things like anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist, such. Um, I often, you know, this is a theme I've been seeing constantly recently on the show as you guys are, are constantly running from terms. Uh, the latest one is capitalism. You don't even like to use the word capitalism anymore. And, no, I don't uh, like that term. I, I don't think I ever really did like it. Right. Well, often, Ian, you go to the dictionary and look things up. I like and, the dictionary. Uh, yes, it's handy for that. <laughs> And, you know, one night I was arguing with my brother-in-law, and uh, we were talking about uh, we were talking about inflation, and he called me the next day and gave me the dictionary definition of inflation. And go ahead and look that one up. The dictionary uh, will, will, will get you on this particular um, one, I agree. And the fact is that, um, you know, the, the, there's different definitions, and the, the Keynesians won on the what is the definition of inflation. So. Uh, wait a minute. I'm looking right here at it. Dictionary.com, a persistent, substantial rise in the general level of prices related to an increase in the volume of money and, the resulting, and resulting in the loss of value of currency. So it's right yeah. there that uh, yeah, it's that an increase in the be, money supply. That one, might, that one might have actually said increase in the money supply. Most of them will just say rise in prices. I anyway, see. my point there being... Yeah, I choose this dictionary because I like its definitions. Yeah. <laughs> my point there was that, um, you know, I, I told them, you often learn economics by reading a dictionary. And the point I'm making here is that words do have meaning, and, we, and, and in order to communicate with one another, we have to make sure we understand what each other's talking about. And if you just... If you take 
You know, if someone thinks anarchy is throwing Molotov cocktails and uh, and blah blah blah, well, fine for them to think so. But if you then say, "Well, I'm a voluntarist," and then you talk to them for a few minutes and they go, "Oh, well, you're just an anarchist," you see, you don't. It doesn't really accomplish anything anyway. So if you think about like um, liberals, what some would think of as a you know a real bleeding heart liberal. So they quit calling themselves liberal, and they call themselves progressive. progressive. Yeah, and you go, yeah, I know, you're a liberal, right? <laughs> but I don't get that from everybody that I talk to about voluntarism. I don't get the response of, oh, well, you're just an anarchist. That doesn't yeah. happen a lot. Well, I guess the more important thing is to to, to not just run from the words and, and try to differentiate yourself from them, but actually to have the conversation with someone, let them go ahead and label you. They're going to label you something anyway and then make sure that you're clear on what what exactly they're talking about here because I call myself an anarcho-capitalist and not because I'm, you know, pounding my chest. It's because if I'm having a conversation with someone, by the way, I don't just come out and say it. The first thing, hey, I'm an anarcho-capitalist, let me tell you what I think. I start talking about ideas and they go, what are you, you know, I've been called a liberal, I've been called a conservative, mm-hmm. you know, depending on whatever they're they're thinking. And and then I just go, no, neither of the above and I say anarcho-capitalism. Well, anarchy, you know, and then I just explain what it is. I mean, it's in order to have a conversation, you always have to be able to to work That's with good. each other. On what uh, I guess my is. my concern is the people that I'm not having the conversation with. I mean, I see where you're coming from, and that if you've got somebody who's relatively open minded that you're having a conversation with, and you're you know you've got good rapport with them, you can explain to them that oh well, anarchist doesn't really mean what the you know the the popular media might say. It really means this. I can understand that you would have that uh, that ability to do that. But if I'm on the radio and I'm on a local talk show and we're talking about these ideas, we're talking about the ideas of freedom, and I decide to label myself a voluntarist, there are a thousand people listening out there that don't know exactly what it is I'm talking about. Whereas if I were to use the term anarchist without necessarily getting into that big, long description of, well, except I'm not that kind of anarchist, except this, I'm da-da-da-da-da-da, then, uh, you know, then at least that leaves them with the, with the question of, well, what's a voluntarist? They don't I have do a preconceived notion. Do you, do you think there is a benefit to having a, a term that is applied to you that doesn't have preconceived notions attached, uh, attached to it? But the problem, I do understand what you're saying there because, yeah, you have a asymmetry of conversation there being on the radio and you have to, you know. Uh, but the problem is, what about when, especially as the liberty movement grows and uh, government, the state is changing the use of words all the time, they'll change the use of the word voluntarist on you. you know who, will I mean? change, who will change that? Uh, popular media, uh, they'll say... You know, look at, for example, the free state movement or free state. Once uh, it gets to that point, that'll be great because that'll mean that voluntarism has has made it sort of. I mean, I see what you're saying that certainly you can observe that in popular culture there are more and more media personalities that are taking on the moniker libertarian, and of course right, I yeah. I left it behind last year publicly when I quit the Libertarian Party. Uh, but yes, that's kind of an acknowledgement that libertarian ideas are becoming more popular. So if voluntarism gets to the point where Glenn Beck is saying, I'm a voluntarist, <laughs> then, uh, you know, we'll be, it, we'll probably be a lot closer to the ideas of freedom at that point. Yeah, but then, you know, then you got to quit telling people you're a voluntarist and come up with another word for yourself and explain why you're not. I mean, good problem to have. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Thanks, enemy of the state. I appreciate hearing from you tonight at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line.
All right, so we're going to continue here and talk to Eric is gone and everybody else is gone. All right, so toll-free number 800-259-9231. Let's go to the news out of Massachusetts. Now, a few months back, they had decided to, I think it was actually a ballot measure. Yes, last fall, Massachusetts voters, this according to MetroWestDailyNews.com, Voters approved question two, which made possession of an ounce or less of marijuana a civil offense punishable by no more than a $100 fine for those who are 18 or older. So since it's a civil offense, there is no criminal uh, aspect to it, and the fine essentially is, is not punishable by anything but perhaps a lien against your property. Or, uh, you know, maybe they can come after your paycheck in some way. Well, they haven't like done that. anything. Because, one because of the... there's, there's no teeth to this. It's, right. it's one... Kind of cavity ridden, ridden tooth. Civil, civil, uh, you know, um, civil fines, civil fines offense. or whatever. They, they just aren't. They aren't very powerful. Yeah, apparently they can't put you in jail for that, like they can here in it's New Hampshire. Civil. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Right, criminal versus civil. So the story we were reading uh, a few months about, a few months back about this was saying that people were getting the fines, but they weren't paying them. So the police are just not even really giving them anymore in, in some, some cases, in some areas of, of Massachusetts. But this story is actually about teenagers because the big scare tactic, they like to pull out one of the big ones when you talk if about you legalize marijuana. marijuana, the kids will be doing the pot. Right, right. Oh, yeah, they'll be. This is what I heard the other day when they were they had the protesters out. We had these daily cannabis celebrations here at 420 in the afternoon in Keene, New Hampshire, also in Manchester. They're happening there now. And a few days ago on Saturday, the uh, there were these anti-drug protesters that had come out holding signs like "It's still a crime," and they were essentially advocating that uh, if it's a if it's a crime, then you should be arrested for it. Of course, they believe that anything that's written down on a piece of paper by people in legislature is a crime. Uh, so I had a, a lengthy conversation with those folks, and while I was talking to them, the the older of them, there was an older lady and then very young teenagers, like 17-year-olds. So I was talking with the older lady about it, and she trotted out the old cliche of, well, if you decriminalize it, then all the kids will start using it. Well, I've got news for you, lady. The kids are using it right now, and, and it's plenty criminal. Uh, but it is a question, right? I mean, it's a legitimate question, I believe, and that is that wouldn't more children use marijuana if it were legal? That's, That's a presumption that a lot of people make, but it right. doesn't seem that way to me it's a fair question though and it deserves to be addressed and so the way you can address it is by pointing out different areas of the world wherein marijuana has been decriminalized and show them and and i told this i told this lady look if i could prove to you that what you're saying isn't true would you believe it or is it possible that you're wrong she said no it's not possible that she's wrong well, of course, the t- statistics show that she is wrong, that over in Amsterdam, for instance, where there's significant marijuana decriminalization, teenagers use marijuana less today than they used to prior to it being decriminalized. So what about Massachusetts? We'll share with you in moments. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments, enough time for your call. 
you make it right now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We will take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com, and you'll get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. It's all there for you, amp.freetalklive.com. According to MetroWestDailyNews.com, in the first year since voters decided to decriminalize possession of small amounts of pot, school officials have said districts aren't seeing escalating drug problems, though they worry the law may encourage marijuana use among students. Well, it's been all year long now. Where's the big explosion? I understand they're worried about it, but they're not seeing any evidence. The principal said six kids in the past month have been found with marijuana or came to school high in three separate incidents. That's not a lot. Each is facing expulsion proceedings, and then we can get into, you know, basically it's about... uh, How do you find out if a kid is high? I, I assume they say they must say so. They must, yeah. They probably admit to it. So, hi, son. So that's basically. I mean, there's more to the story here, but it's more just about schools and how they're, you know, how they handle uh, kids that are high and the expulsion proceedings and all of that. But the observation of the people in the schools is that nothing has changed. That uh, that there's no increase. And I think over time we'll start to see more evidence that will bear that out because that's what we've seen in so many different places that have had some level of marijuana or cannabis decriminalization is that essentially it takes away the forbidden fruit aspect. It's no longer prohibited or as prohibited to be in possession of, uh, of, med- of marijuana. And so therefore it's not as sexy. It's not as bad to do that. And kids like doing things they're not supposed to do. But if marijuana or cannabis possession becomes something that's no big deal, then it won't be as exciting for them. And that's, I think, that's what I think the, norm, uh, the number one factor is, because that's what we've seen in, in Amsterdam, where the teenagers, high schoolers, are just not using it as much as they used to 20 years ago. 1-800-259-9231. So we'll keep an eye on that as time goes on. Let's go to your calls about what you want and talk to Dan in Maine. You're on Free Talk Live. Dan. Yeah, I had a great... Uh, argument or like a comeback to someone saying, well, what about the children? You know, just say, well, they'll be 21 soon enough, you know, something like that. What is it? How is that a, a great comeback? Well, it's, I mean, they're going to be 21 soon enough. So, you know, they're not going to be children anymore. You know? I don't think but, that's I mean, going 18, to, I don't think that's 21 brings up the alcohol portion of the argument. You know, I don't know if that's going to persuade a parent that's concerned about their 11 year old. Their 11 year old has another 10 years until, Soon enough. Yeah, but that isn't very long. I mean, really. And, you know, or, you know, you could bring it back at them even further and say, well, you're going to be 40 soon enough, you know, and that would really get them thinking, oh, shit. Oh, we've got to let you go. Thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you there. 800 259 9231. Sorry, we're on the radio. We can't allow uh, language like that. I can tell you I'm coming up on 40, and that's what I'm thinking. Uh, Yeah, no one really knows what he said because we dumped it off the air. I know. I'm just. But I don't think that's very persuasive, I have to say, that to, to a parent that's worried that their, uh, their kids are, are, are going to be using drugs, saying, well, your kids are going to be older soon, so who cares? Sorry, not going to persuade well, that. Yeah, I mean, what would be more likely to persuade them is to point out that, well, marijuana has been illegal for a long time, and it hasn't seemed to have stopped teenagers from doing it. Everyone who wants to do marijuana has done marijuana. So it's not like marijuana is going to prevent your kids from trying pot. And in fact, there's a very good chance they already have. 
That Indeed. might not be the right thing to say to a concerned parent, but... I think it is. I, I, I really mean, do. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, parents, you really do <clears throat> think that your kid hasn't smoked marijuana? Statistically, the chances of what you're believing are not true. More than half of the kids in America have smoked pot. They may not admit it in the school in the school surveys, but then once they get to say twenty one, yeah, they're they're pretty much admitting it at that. So point. when you say kids, what do you mean? Teenagers, children, the children, children of these people. Wait, 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 what age range are we talking about here? I don't think more than By half 16 of elementary or schoolers. Seventeen, I think about half or more. Of the I'd people. say that's that about true. Right. I'd say that sounds right. And yeah, by but, the end of of college, but they're still age? their children after that, Ian. Is what yeah. I'm the point I'm making here. Yeah, by by the time people are past college age, I think it's significantly more than half of people. Probably a fair uh, assumption. I don't know if there are any numbers about that out there, but we do know that I've I've seen some numbers that say that uh, a one out of three American adults admits it, admits having done it at least once in their life. And once you uh, once you eliminate, I've heard uh, numbers higher than that, but if you once you eliminate the over forty five right. um, segment, that's important. Uh, or really, yeah. I'd, I'd I'd say you're closer to over fifty five at this point when you start considering if, early, you know mid and late baby boomers. If you ask, I mean, if you just go around in your personal experience and ask, you know, people between the ages of eighteen and fifty that you know whether they've ever tried it, I think you'll find that. At least half of the people you know have tried it. I Absolutely. think that's a pretty safe bet to make. I have a tough time counting the people that I know that have not. That's actually a more difficult thing, is for me at least. And obviously I self-select because I hang out with certain types of people. But of the people that I know, it's it's relatively rare that some of the, that anybody would say I've never tried marijuana. Yeah, let's continue with your calls and talk to Jeremy listening in Rhode Island. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. Hey. Jeremy, um, what's on your mind tonight? I was just thinking as I was driving. Um, when you go to pay a fine with the government, sometimes they won't let you pay in cash. Really? But They're not very good at tender. It says, it says uh, it's like good for all debts, public and private. It does say that on your uh, your Federal Reserve notes, every one of them. <laughs> yeah. What, what organization have you, have you give them a check? What organization have you uh, have you been refused that they will not take cash? I'm pretty sure when I went to pay a parking ticket, um, I think it was up in uh, in Boston like two years ago, mm-hmm. that they made me pay with a money order or a check. Wow. I'm pretty sure they don't accept cash. You should bring a video camera in. Next time you uh, you do that, bring a, bring a cameraman with you and demand that they take the cash. Yeah. Well, I know for sure there's government agencies that will not accept cash, which to me is just too hilarious, you know, because I think you're making a good point. I mean, rules. it just shows that they don't follow their own rules, which there's so many different things that you can pr- show that with. This is yet another one of those examples. If it's good enough for the government, it should be good enough for all of their agencies. So I think you've got them in a real tough place. Not that you pressuring them will do anything about it, but well, it would make for some they interesting might video back footage. Down because if you're dealing with, say, a, a city parking bureau or something like that they are in fact violating legal tender laws which are federal laws right they may so not, not they may not want to mess with the feds they, they may not want to because it's it's conceivable to me because when you're talking about government remember you're they're very territorial bureaucrats tend to be very territorial and they mm-hmm. focus on their little their little throne their little area of control and the bureaucrats who are in charge of enforcing legal tender laws might not care that you know it's a city parking bureau so i I would be very pushy about it. 
because it is, in fact, they are, in fact, breaking the law. I would love to see what they would have to say, and that's why I think that a camera or audio recording device needs to be brought in when you're having this conversation. Hey, uh, bureaucrat, I'm recording this conversation. Now, you're telling me that you just told me that uh, I can't pay this with cash, right? Uh, Yeah, you can't pay this with cash. Well, do you know what legal tender is? Uh, no. You can explain to them what legal tender is, show them the dollar. Maybe what they would come from is, I don't know, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the way they get around that is that it's not really a debt. It says all debts, public or private, maybe, maybe it's true that if they're just making up a piece of paper. Absolutely they're, not. They're just Look, writing up they a don't want your cash because for whatever reason, they don't want to accept cash. It doesn't have anything to do with it being a debt or, um, you know, the ipsum lore, you know, the this, well, you this hocus pocus that goes change. with it. Say what? You don't expect bureaucrats to be able to count change. It might not have been Boston. I'm like 80% sure that it was. But I know I've ran into that with city slash state bureaucracies Mm -hmm. before. And, you know, it just kind of dawned on me like, hey, you know, how about that? Sure. And how would you send it to the IRS? I I mean, a lot of people deal with that particular agency at the federal level. and Certified mail. You you can't send cash through the mail, though. Isn't it a federal crime to send cash through the mail? I don't believe so. It's just a very bad idea, to my knowledge. Really? I've, I've, I've heard somewhere, it must be a vicious rumor, uh, that it's it's illegal to I send cash. I have never seen... No, I've never seen anyone present me with anything like that. I, I, I've heard it said that it's a very bad idea to send cash That's through true. the mail because... The, the person postal. working for the new, post office might yeah. want to take that for themselves. Yeah, new law. Don't tempt the postal workers, you know? So. Hmm. Interesting observation, Jeremy. Any other thoughts for us tonight? Uh, no, I just can't believe that guy said, oh, sh-. no, just kidding. Thank you for that. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We will return for more of this fun tomorrow night. You can join us then. You can join us online anytime at freetalklive.com. Oh, and we do have the brand-new Free Talk Live listen lines. You can go to listen.freetalklive.com to get the phone number any old time. It's also, at this time, it's on the front page of our website. But you can call this number 24 hours a day from any phone you can dial long distance on, 217-238-6220, 217-238-6220, and listen to Free Talk Live free any old time over your phone. See you tomorrow night, freetalklive.com. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA. But you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAMail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit DNAMail.com and join the evolution.